Well, once again, thank you so much for all of those who have uh, helped to put our worship service together for our special music from Brandon Bull, um, for our liturgist, Alan Wenzel, uh, for Melody Mokros for our children's time, for our praise team um, who offered our music, uh, our singing music today, um, for Gary Brubaker who has helped to put these together, uh, for all of the folks who are working on these worship services, we thank you um, for helping them to come together. Uh, now, uh, I had uh, talked with uh, some of the members of our praise team while they were recording here in the sanctuary and rehearsing, um, and uh, they said, we miss a few things, like when you take your shoes off. I said, oh, I do that every time. <laughs> I do. Um, and so uh, you saw the video of me taking my shoes off earlier, um, and some of you may be confused by that. But um, I take my shoes off when I preach, um, and it's a reminder to me, just like as Moses approached the burning bush. When Moses approached the burning bush um, and uh, asked God who this, who this was, and God said, before you come, you should take off your sandals because this is holy ground. So I take my shoes off to remind me of the holy ground that we're on. So uh, as we are here in worship, um, may we all be reminded of the holy ground that we're on. Well, this series that we're in, just the second of the second week, um, we're talking about the rhythm of the heart. Uh, what happens when our rhythms get out of sync? Um, how do we get back into rhythm, or how do we learn new ones? How do we reconnect with God's rhythms and with God's people? So last week we talked about rest. This week we'll talk about healing. We'll talk next week about connection, and then we'll close with creation. So would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, whenever there is a change in rhythm, it's often because of a disruption. And no matter how these changes come, it's usually a disruption. It could be from gentle reminders that things will change. I mean, sometimes at the end of the school year, you have, here's the, the last day of school, here's when pickup of your report cards will be. So you know that something is coming and something is changing. So sometimes it's a gradual and, and remindered thing that, that uh, something is changing and new rhythms are about to happen. Sometimes it's just something that you feel within yourself that you can just feel something is changing or something is, is starting to become different. Maybe you feel pulls or prods to something different, um, even if you're not really sure what that means. Sometimes we can feel like something is about to change. And then there's times when the change is really abrupt. Um, perhaps it was when we started sheltering in place for you that that was a really abrupt change. Suddenly you went from a very active calendar to nothing or a lot of interaction with family to very little. Sometimes that change is abrupt, maybe in a death or a difficult diagnosis. No matter how these changes come, no matter how these rhythm changes come, it's disruptive. And with the disruption comes a loss. And with loss comes grief. Now, we often think that grief is something really only associated with death, but it's not always. 
it comes with a loss. And that loss can be the loss of a job, the loss of a relationship. It could be the loss of an item, the loss of safety or security, feeling a loss of even a loss of sense of self. And loss leads to grief. And we all have grief that we carry. And really the truth is our grief never really goes away. Sometimes we process it differently. Sometimes we know what to do with it and how to deal with it. And sometimes we don't. And every person deals with their grief differently also. So how I process my grief may not be the same way that you do which can be sometimes really confusing and hard for us to understand both of ourselves and of other people. And so we often try and put some of a timetable on grief. Maybe it's our own timetable or maybe others have put that timetable on us. Maybe, maybe somebody has told you, gosh, shouldn't you just be over this by now? Or maybe you've told someone, just get over it. Maybe not in those words, but but maybe it's been just a way to tell someone or to be told it's time to get past this. But I think that often has something to do with the other person's discomfort more than our own. There's no real timetable for grief. There's no expiration date. I mean, we can even think that we are moved past it and something happens that brings us right back. Archbishop Desmond Tutu says, grief is how we come to terms not only with the hardship that we've endured, but also with what could have been if life had taken a different course. We grieve as much for what might have been as for what was. Grief is real and how you experience it is real. During our time of being sheltered in place, um, as I talked with folks um, over the phone or email, there were folks who were ready to think about life in new ways. And it was really exciting for them to think, gosh, this is new and exciting and I get to do these things now. Maybe that was through um, making things or baking things or cleaning things. It was a fresh start. You're excited about the possibilities, even called it a new normal. And some, well, some weren't. Some felt unproductive. Some said, I just feel so lazy. Why can't I get out of bed? Why can't I just get over it? Some felt scared or alone or isolated. And the truth is both of those places are normal. There's no shame in being in either place. You are where you are, and you feel how you feel. Sometimes you need to rest and to catch your breath before you can move into a new rhythm. And that rest may take a while. Some people need longer than others. Sometimes we need encouragement, and sometimes we need support. And for each of us, that may look a little bit differently. So when um, a few years ago, 
I was, uh, uh, I joined a gym and they were offering personal training. And so the manager of the gym asked me what kind of trainer I wanted to work with. Did I want to work with a drill sergeant or like a passive kind of trainer? And um, I was very clear. I said, passive for sure. And I watched as the manager sort of smirked and then assigned me someone. Now, during that very first workout, I discovered that the manager thought that because I responded passive, that what I really wanted was a drill sergeant. And so the trainer, who I am sure was a very nice guy, um, in the workout, he started yelling and telling me how terrible I was doing and what I, uh, what I needed to do better. And in the middle of a rep, I just put everything down and I looked at him and I said, we are done. And then I started crying and then I left. <laughs> then the manager came up and, and asked what was going on and what happened. And I said, you didn't listen to me. And he was like, yeah, but, and I said, no, I told you what I needed and what would be the most helpful. And you deliberately did not listen. In fact, what you did was only not helpful. It was harmful. And he apologized and said he would listen better, um, which he did. And uh, he and the new, well, the new trainer and I worked out for several years together after that. Now, sometimes we know what we need and it's okay to advocate for ourselves and our healing, to say, this is what I need. And then there's times that sometimes we're deceiving ourselves and we need to see that before we, we need to see that we're deceiving ourselves before we can be invited into a new rhythm. But to force us there before we're ready isn't helpful and in fact could be harmful. In order to be healed, we need to know what needs healing. You have things in your past, and maybe even things in your present that are heavy, that you need, that you want to lay down. But if you lay them down, then what? Maybe it's something you've been carrying for so long, even laying down your burdens and your heaviness and what needs to be healing, healed. Well, even that's a loss. When you're injured or when you have a wound, a physical wound, you scratch your arm or you break your arm, um, you have to clean it out in order for it to properly heal. Because if you don't, it just gets infected again. Now, the same is true when you have a wound, even maybe that you can't see. You have to clean deep, otherwise it won't heal. So healing isn't about forgetting or just getting over it, but it's actually about remembering. And sometimes remembering goes, means going deep into the hurt or the action. It's not about ignoring it. It's about healing it. Our passage from Isaiah reads, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in the parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. 
Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to live in. Oh, that's beautiful, isn't it? Talking about the one who wants to take away our burdens, to give us rest, to lead us beside the still waters, to offer healing not just for ourselves, but for others too, to be repairers of the breach, restorers of the streets. It's a beautiful way that God is inviting into this time of healing and promise. But just before our passage, there's a couple of verses that I think are also just as important in Isaiah 9 and 10. There's this reminder. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. Then the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to live in. Well, that's the passage. And it's important for us to talk about our personal healing. We carry these hurts with us and sometimes that makes it impossible, it feels impossible for us to move forward. So we have to heal ourselves. But God asks us to do more than heal ourselves, to help heal one another, to care for one another, and it's only then will we truly be healed because we belong to each other. When one of us hurts, we all hurt. Paul reminds us of that in his letters. When one cries, we all cry. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one of us hurts, we all hurt. There's been a lot of conversation, more conversation about racism, about seeing uh, stories or news about what racism is and what it has done to us. The sin of racism and white supremacy is all of our hurts. It's not for us to say, oh no, you can't be hurt by that. Oh no, no, that, that hurt isn't real. It's, it's just the media. No, 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 that hurt isn't real. It's your fault. That's not for us to say. Can you imagine if, if someone broke their arm and we said, no, no, that's not real. It's just, you're just imagining it. Oh, your doctor said you had cancer? No, no, that's not real. That's not real. When one of us hurts, we all hurt. And when one of us is treated as less than human, it's our responsibility to call back to our humanity to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. 
Those are the vows of our baptism. Those have been the vows of our baptism for years. It's not new. This is our call to call back to our humanity. In a recent interview, Austin Channing Brown, who is an author and a Christian speaker, she said, the work of anti-racism is becoming a better human to other humans. We listen to the ones who have been hurt and listen how to help one another heal. And this healing is hard work. The hurt may not have happened overnight, but over a long period of time, whatever hurt you have felt, perhaps it was an instant, but the consequences left decades of hurt. And healing is hard work, and sometimes it can be painful. But most assuredly, it's not impossible. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and you shall rise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairers of the breach the restorer of the streets to live in. The story never ends in the valleys, in the anguish. Our stories end in the resting places, resting beside the still waters. Our story ends with the hope of healing. The story continues to be told in words and in actions. And the story is continually wrapped in the unconditional love of God, which covers us even when we least expect it or realize it. The story of God is not in death or destruction, but in life. The story of God is not in the woundedness, but the way that God heals those wounds. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we are given assurance that through God's love, life continues and love always wins. And as we continue to tell the stories, as we continue to be embraced by God's unconditional love, as we are held together, may we allow that love to hold us, to walk with us, and to shine through us. And through that love, may we all experience the healing and wholeness. And may that love of God shine through each and every one of us. Amen.